Welcome to City of God, a podcast of the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Dr. Owen Strand, and I'll be your host. Join us each week as we engage the city of man with the biblical wisdom of the city of God. Welcome to City of God. Today on the podcast, we consider a Texas custody battle involving a seven-year-old boy. This has made national headlines recently. James Younger is a seven-year-old boy whose mother has enrolled him in school as a girl. James's mother told him for years that he's a girl because once as a three-year-old at McDonald's, he said that he liked a toy meant for girls. His mother apparently took this to mean that he is actually a girl in a boy's body. It appears, according to LifeSite News, that James's mother now wants to put him on puberty blockers and in the future is considering a transition to girlhood for James. James's father is named Jeffrey Younger. Jeffrey Younger is divorced from his ex-wife. And Jeffrey Younger is fighting this case over James Younger, the seven-year-old boy, in court. He was just thankfully granted some say in the matter. He and his ex-wife will have joint conservatorship, the court has said in Texas, over James. This is a very important matter for Christians to think through. We need to know today, in 2019, that we are in the midst of an absolute gender revolution. We should actually amend that. Children today find themselves in in the midst of a gender revolution. Christians need to be very clear. We should not simply hold the views that we hold about God making the man and God making the woman in the privacy of our own homes and the privacy of our own churches. Christians should be those who, by God's grace, have the courage to speak up in public about these matters and tell the truth about boys and girls. It's not going to be the case now or in the future, that everyone who hears us is going to agree with us. We are not required, therefore, to necessarily persuade everyone of the full Christian worldview every time we speak. And furthermore, some people are not going to like what we say about this and about many other matters of Scripture, of theology, of ethics, and beyond. It is my view, however, that believers should raise their voice over matters like this tiny boy who is being told that he is a girl, and we should be part of that public outcry, not out of hatred or not even out of uh, some deep-seated political motivation in terms of parties, but because of love for neighbor, Matthew 22. We speak up and we seek where a, a, a mother will not defend and help and protect her child, but is instead harming her child potentially by causing this little boy to be put on puberty blockers and potentially transition to girlhood over time, we should be part of the neighbor-loving outcry that says, this should not be done. It's not that we ourselves are in command of this family. Most of us are not. Most of us are not in public office or a justice, a judge. Some of us are. The point, however, is that Christians should be engaging this kind of issues. We cannot be silent. As Francis Francis Schaeffer said some years ago, we cannot be silent. In times like these, we should take a public stand against the gender transitioning of children. We should speak truth about manhood and womanhood, and we should speak it unapologetically because of the Bible, because God's Word is true, God's Word is inerrant, God's Word is authoritative, and God's Word is sufficient for all of life and theology. God's Word has not been changed. There is no edit button on the Word of God. We need to speak 
truth. Again, not out of hatred, not even out of a desire to win victory in the political arena or something like this, though we're glad for that if God grants it, but because we want to glorify God by telling the truth and being salt and light in a Matthew 5, 17 to 20 way. We want to be part of that chorus of people in this civilization that seeks to protect children. This is not an unchristian thing to seek to protect children. It is actually a profoundly Christian undertaking where children are being targeted by ungodly, wicked thinking to speak up for them, not knowing in the end whether we are going to be able to carry the day in terms of the issue. We may not. We may not on this issue. We may not in our broader political, cultural engagement. We may lose and lose and lose. We may end up in jail cells for saying these kind of things. It matters not. We should tell the truth because we want to image God's glory in this world, and we want to love our neighbor, and if we can, seek their good, seek their rescue from desperate circumstances. Listen, we are living in an age of madness. The days are evil. The days have been evil for some time, and evil in this civilization seems to be gaining a foothold. We do not know what the future holds for Christian witness. We do not know if churches, for example, and Christian institutions will be able to retain tax-exempt status and thus continue to do so much of the work we have done over the years and and fund missionaries and, and create all sorts of public good in the process. We don't know what shape this debate is going to take and this battle is going to take, but we do know this. The days are evil and we cannot be silent. We must stand and be accounted for. We, we must be those who do not allow our neighbor to suffer without some kind of witness. So my encouragement to you hearing about this story, as many of us had, this has made national news in the last week or so, my encouragement is you is, to you is not simply to see this case with uh, James Younger and his father Jeffrey Younger, who is thankfully trying to retain some custody of this boy so that his son is not subjected to puberty blockers and does not undergo a surgical transition, so-called, to girlhood. Whether or not this is occurring, though, in our immediate context, in some other kind of case, we need to be telling the truth about God's creation of manhood and womanhood. We need to make clear that nothing has changed about manhood and womanhood. We need to make clear that our bodies are not lying to us because of the fall, because of uh, depravity lived out in the home. We may feel like our body is lying to us. There may be real chaos that we have to sort through. We may need biblical counseling of a rich kind in our lives. We, We have categories for all of this, for ourselves and for others. And yet, we cannot give up on the truth of God, and we cannot fail to see that in both Old and New Testament, There is such a thing as manhood and womanhood. These are stable categories. In other words, there is a direct correlation between your body and between your sex. There is not a countervailing gender identity or brain sex that is distinct from your body. Again, your body is telling you the truth, whether you feel that way or not. Part of our stake in this conversation as we wrap things up today is that we must understand that our feelings do not determine our identities. 
Our feelings do not determine our identities. We may feel that way. (laughs) That's an appropriate word to say, I think, there. And yet it is not the case that that is so. We may feel on a given day like we're a unicorn. We're soaring high in the air. That doesn't make us a unicorn. We may feel like we are a a beast. We may feel like an animal after a particularly bad day, uh, some fall into sin or something like this. That does not make us an animal. We must know who we are according to the scripture. We are made in God's image, all of us. We are fallen in Adam, Genesis 3. We are still image bearers after the fall, but we need Jesus Christ for salvation and total transformation in order to live eternally with Christ in heaven and escape God's eternal punishment in hell. Praise God. The word of God, as I have said, has not changed. There is no edit button on it. Manhood and womanhood are realities. There is such a thing as nature. See Romans 1.26. God has made us, in other words, according to his own design. So there is such a thing as a design for men and a design for women. We want to not only lay hold of these truths as core realities, but we want to be those in our churches who preach and teach with great joy and enthusiasm about biblical manhood and biblical womanhood, each shaped by the gospel of grace. In other words, when men are saved, they are called into biblical manhood. When women are saved by Christ, they are called into biblical womanhood. We don't want to glancingly touch on these things every couple years or so and and hope that nobody hears us too loudly. We need to have churches today who are joyfully celebrating these realities, seeing it as a privilege and a doxological call to be a godly man and to be a godly woman. Are there some gray areas in terms of what this means? Yes, there are. And yet there are many clear teachings in Scripture if we will look at passages like Genesis 2, Ephesians 5, 1 Timothy 2 and 3, 1 Peter 3, Titus 1 and 2. There's more to say here, but this occasion of the custody battle over James Younger, this poor seven-year-old boy who deserves and needs our prayers, should call us not simply to take note of this difficult legal situation, but should cause us to recognize that the stakes are very high today, that we are living in times where unreality is embraced and reality is rejected. Friends, in this time, in this era, the cost is going to be high, potentially, for speaking the truth in love, the word of Jesus Christ. And yet, we must remember that today and every day, We cannot be silent. Thanks for listening to City of God, a podcast at the Center for Public Theology at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. We're so thankful you stopped by. We encourage you to continue to join the conversation at cpt.mbts.edu, the official website of the center. And we encourage you to follow us on Twitter and Facebook as well. Join us in coming days as we continue the conversation on what it means to be the city of God in the city of man.